0: listening to Rumination Thursday on this November the 13th in the November the 19th in the year of our Lord 2020. I'm Pastor Tom Baker and with me is my co-host Wes Reimnitz. Hi Wes. Hi Tom. How are you? I'm feeling a little purgatorial. (laughs) Purgatorial?
1: You want me to say a prayer to get you out of it?
0: Boy, That's what we're going to be talking about today. Isn't that interesting? Uh,
1: Yes, that was an interesting email you got on that. That led to taking a look at uh, some church bulletins. And the, the whole thing of purgatory coming at, so to speak, is right in our own
0: backyards here. When you say in our own backyard, you mean in a city near us?
1: In a city near us, yep, yep.
0: In fact, it was a city near where I had a congregation I was helping out.
1: Yes, yes, that's right.
0: Effingham, right? Yeah, Effingham.
1: Yeah. Now, I thought thought that was kind of interesting that it, I mean, it it wasn't only in Effingham it was going on, it was going on all over, over, but it was brought to our attention.
0: Well, Many people believe that purgatory and things like that taught at the time of the Reformation are no longer being taught. But as I sent you an email, there is quite a discussion by a priest about purgatory, and he's in the that that area we just talked about. Would you mind reading some of the things that he says?
1: Well, on October twenty third, the Vatican extended the availability of certain plenary indulgences for the souls in purgatory amid concerns about avoiding large gatherings in churches and cemeteries.
0: The okay, plenary, what, what is plenary?
1: plenary? Plenary is indulgences is remission of entire temporal punishment for sin.
0: Yes. Now, I thought they believed that Jesus forgave their sins. They do. Yes, this is really important to understand. A lot of people think that purgatory is where your sins are forgiven, but no, that occurred at the cross in Roman Catholic theology. Purgatory is actually the place where you get the punishment for your temporal sins that were not taken away by the cross of christ
1: how is it that the temporary sins can't, unless they're not forgiven uh can be t- taken away from the believer from the cross
0: well you shared with me a good insight as to where this came about how it kind of started some uh, years ago in yeah. regard to the crusades can you explain that
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I was teaching confirmation, w- which I did uh, junior confirmation many times, but we'd get on the reformation and and the uh, indulgences. Indulgences came out of the Crusades where uh, the knights and the armies were going and saying, what's in it for us? Uh, the Muslims have the holy jihad and if they die in it, they automatically go to heaven in it for us and the Pope started granting indulgences uh, for uh, sins that they may have committed while in the act of war.
0: Or even outside of war that they had done themselves. I remember about two years ago, mm. the Pope had indicated that if you're a smoker and you stop smoking, you'll get a plenary indulgence and up to that point all of the consequences of your sins would be taken care of so you don't have to go to purgatory
1: yeah that that, that is true but uh you know as we know uh it, it doesn't take away take away the sin the, the the other thing that goes with this whole temporal thing i was reading on is uh,
0: venial sins. Could you explain that? Venial sins in Roman Catholic theology are kind of lesser sins. For example, uh, when you go to a priest, in order to get indulgences, you have to confess your sins. And that is what they would call serious sins. But venial sins, like sins of thought, etc., are not considered that serious, so you don't even have to confess them. God takes care of them. But in mortal sins, things that could lead to a loss of faith and your damnation, then you need to confess them. And then the priest will indicate to you what you need to do to offset those sins. And when you die, if you have not offsetted the sins of your temporal times then you go to purgatory but the only people who go to purgatory this is important to remember also are those who are saved unbelievers go straight to hell they don't go to purgatory but the last pope that died they weren't sure that they could pray to him because you can only pray to somebody if they're in heaven and have become a saint. And in order for that to happen, two miracles need to occur when you pray to him and hope that he will hear that prayer and miracles will occur. Now that has occurred in Roman Catholic theology, so they made the last pope who died a saint so you can now Saints. pray to him. Hmm.
1: Well, that that would lead into a whole nother topic about who we pray to. But, uh, this, this thing, uh, about temporary sins or venial sins, you know, that, that keep people in purgatory. Isn't that kind of a, well, it is a false, uh, sense of security. I think that, uh, that, um, these temporal sins are, are, are venial sins aren't that, that serious. I mean, you were talking about it yesterday in Law and Gospel, in Walter's thesis there, that all sin, including venial sins, are 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 uh, damnable.
0: Yes. There is a merit in Roman Catholic theology whereby, you know, some sins are different kinds In contrast, for example, and I hope this is going to be understood, there's what's called condign merit, C-O-N-D-I-G-N. That means that is the reward people gain for themselves by grace. They do a good deed that fulfills its goal, and they teach that God rewards the action of believers out of a sense of justice, and the Roman Catholic Church teaches that extra amounts of goodness produced by works, having condine merit—that means by grace—flow into a treasury that can be tapped by, for example, indulgences. The other kind of merit is congruent. Merit. C O N G R U E N T. And according to Roman Catholic Church teaching, that's the reward people gain for themselves by their own power. Even if the work of merit does not succeed in its goal, they get an E for merit. And this merit is based on the understanding that God rewards the action of believers. On the basis of his own freedom. Now, what does that take away from the Bible?
1: Well, that takes away salvation by grace through faith. I mean, you, you're working your way to heaven.
0: Exactly. That's really what the problem is with purgatory: that man gets involved with taking the care of the consequences of his temporal sins and that when jesus said father forgive them he was referring to eternal damnation he wasn't referring to forgiveness for temporal sins and their consequences
1: yeah you know i ran into a while back some roman catholics that believed that when they died they were going to purgatory and You know, somebody would have to pray them out of of purgatory into heaven. And I finally had to pull a Tom Baker on him. You know what a Tom
0: Baker is? I'm not sure I want to ask.
1: (laughs) Well, you're always famous for asking these questions, so I ask
0: the question. Right, right.
1: If you were to pass away tonight, and found that you were in heaven. Who would you give all the credit to? Yes. And not in, in fact, you weren't in purgatory. You were in heaven, and yes. they, they, they said Jesus, obviously, and right. And why do you believe in purgatory? You know, we'd have long discussions that way.
0: Yes, purgatory. It kind of comes from the word purge you're purging the temporal consequences of your sins. And therefore, it's, it's really somewhat odd. I've attended a number of Roman Catholic funerals. Uh, we had a, a dear friend of ours who had a cousin who had gone on a trip with the high school students and she fell off an escalator in Chicago and was killed. Now, Mm -hmm. we attended that funeral, and outside of my friend and his wife and myself and Louise, we were the only non-Roman Catholics, and there were about 600 people there because the students had come, and they had the Lord's Supper also. Of course, we did not take that, but I listened to the sermon carefully, and my friend's wife had gone to the priest and told him that what we wanted to hear was that she was in heaven. And not once did he mention purgatory. Mm. That kind of shows really where a lot of the priests might be on when it comes to that teaching.
1: Okay, well in the in the email that you received, I think we need to answer this question then. What does it mean in part when they say you can save a soul a day for each visit on eight different days?
0: That actually happened where I was living, one of my in fact most of my friends were Roman Catholic. We would always have arguments. I think I was twelve years old when I was writing and speaking against praying to mary with them but one of my friends had a sister and she told me she was going to church on all saints day because that way when she prayed she could release her aunt from purgatory now how sure that is in roman catholic theology But, for example, in C.F.W. Walther's book, A Reader's Edition, they have a glossary at the back of uh, words, and the one is purgatory. In Roman Catholic teaching, all who have not been thoroughly perfected in this life will be purged by fire in an intermediate state of existence between earth and heaven. Masses, prayers, and good works by the living aid those suffering in purgatory and reduce its sentence. Those who die with mortal sin, unconfessed and unabsolved, do not enter purgatory, but hell. Mm. So, that's how they define it.
1: Yeah, and therein lies what a uh, uh, lecture yesterday on Law and Gospel talked about where where uh, Walther said that venial sins are just as serious if they go unrepentant.
0: You know, yeah, he, he gives this example. He says, let's say in the Bible there are 10,000 laws. And he said that's not unusual because when you take a look at the Ten Commandments, Uh, For example, thou shalt not steal. The Sermon on the Mount says that includes also thoughts, words, and action. So let's say there's 10,000. And a person keeps 9,999 of them. Walter then said that one sin, whatever it was, unabsolved, unrepentant, that that person would not go to heaven.
1: Uh, that, that would be undaunting for somebody in thinking that they'd go to purgatory and hoping that uh, somebody will say a prayer for them. I mean, it, it's complete work righteousness.
0: And what do you mean by that?
1: Well, if you're expecting somebody to say a prayer for you or you, as you said before, do, do these conduits of good works, you're amount to, to saying that I did it instead of instead of God did it. And uh, the whole basis of Christ coming to, to, to earth was uh, to fulfill the law and, and die upon the cross for the forgiveness
0: of everyone's sins. Exactly. And, and so this is again a law and gospel thing. Under the law, you need to obey it in order to be saved. Where in the Bible does it give any hope of salvation through obedience to the law? Read the uh, Sermon on the Mount. Read Galatians uh, 3, particularly, where it says that no one gets saved by obeying the law. You're saved by grace and not through obedience, but through faith. And it, it seems so simple to me to understand that. what parent ever tells the child and i've said this a number of times you are my child only if you cut the lawn do the dishes take out the garbage and clean up your room well Mm. no the child is the child of the parents through adoption or through what through adoption or being born.
1: Oh, begotten.
0: Yes, being begotten. Very good. We are not begotten to become members of the family of God. We are adopted according to Galatians, etc.
1: Yeah, so. kind of reminds as you know, I've been kind of working through the book of Genesis and my private devotions it reminds me of uh, Abram. Where, or Abraham, where it says that Abraham believed, and God credited to him his righteousness, or Joseph, who was sold into slavery by his brothers, and then reunites with them, and uh, forgives them, because uh, it, God is in his place, you know. But the the whole idea that that, that they came to faith, and, and and that faith sustained them, not their works.
0: Yes. In fact, um, I'm doing a new book uh, detailing some of the emails that we received over the years here on Law and Gospel. And I just read one last night, and it talked about what is this that Abraham believed that he was declared to be righteous? How could he have believed in the coming of jesus christ since that hadn't happened yet uh how would you answer that
1: he believed in the promises he he looked forward to the cross we look backwards at the cross and believe but he he looked forward to the day that that, that those promises would be fulfilled
0: well that's a good answer yes they look forward to it And the specific thing he believed in was that through Isaac, all the nations would be blessed through his seed. And the seed, of course, referred to the Messiah. And that was clear from the other parts of the Bible. Adam and Eve, for example, were told that they have a promise from God that through Eve would come the seed of the Messiah, and unfortunately Eve in chapter four of Genesis believes that Cain is Cain. the Messiah. Right. But and he was the first murderer. You
1: know, and we're coming up to the season of Advent and Christmas. And, uh, in there, you know, we sometimes read the genealogy for Matthew and Luke that shows, uh, the lineage of of Christ clear back to the time of Adam and Eve.
0: Yes. And Concordia Publishing House, our publishing company in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, I have their chart where at the top is Adam, and then you go all the way down the center of the chart, and you get to Jesus Christ. So they have every person, and it's kind of fun to look at that, because three of the persons leading to Christ are women. And in fact, uh, one was a prostitute, remember? Rahab. Rahab, very good, and one was a Gentile.
1: Uh, Ruth, Boaz.
0: Exactly, and then of course you have Mary. Mary. (laughs) So, that really shows that God kept his promise. Yeah, purgatory is a reasonable understanding that God, let's say somebody is a Christian for 80 years, they're baptized, then they die. Well, that that should be someone who could go to heaven. But if you became a Christian when you were 75 years old and died at 76, then that's not fair that they go to heaven in the same way. So there has to be a time for punishment to make up for their temporal consequences. It, it makes sense. It's just unbiblical.
1: It kind of reminds you of that parable of the, of the day's wages. They work all day for a day, or they work an hour, for, the, and they still get paid.
0: Oh, that's good. Yes, the people who start very early in the morning and those who start one hour before closing uh, the work, they all get paid the same wage. And that's what heaven is all about. That anyone who recognizes that they have sinned throughout their life, they are going to be saved as they trust in Jesus for their salvation. At the very moment, their spirit is taken to be with God. Uh, I'll tell you one verse that I like using that shows there's no purgatory. What does Jesus say to the thief on the cross?
1: <laughs> I was just thinking the same thing. Today you will be with me in paradise.
0: Yes, not in three weeks or not in three years. And that thief was being crucified for many sins that he had done uh, against the government. So that right. really destroys any idea of purgatory. There, there, it's not found anywhere. It came about, as you indicated, by the practice of the church, particularly in the time of the Crusades, as a way of motivating people to go and fight the Crusades. And as you are telling us, that priest today in his newsletter is explaining the same thing to his congregation that we've, that we've talked about.
1: Yeah, and it wasn't just to his congregation. Uh, there was a papal decree that, that came out, so it yep. went to all the churches, Roman Catholic churches.
0: Yeah, the the pope seems to have the right to take all the merits from that treasury and apply it to people for whatever reason he thinks is appropriate. And that's not something... That is biblical.
1: Right. I'm glad we we, we did this. Uh, it uh, took a look at at sins, venal sins, and and a kind of reminder to to everybody that uh, the the not so good, not to worry about, are to worry about, and we should repent of them.
0: Yes. Well, thanks so much for being with me on the program. On tomorrow's program. It's kind of an open mic Friday, which means you could email me at longgospel at longgospel 101com about today's program and we'll attempt to respond to it as well as with other emails. I'm Tom Baker and Wes Reimnitz. We ask that God bless you.